Sla die pad saam met Ruben Delmaas op Groot FM 90.5. 70 minute and a half feed, dames and I am so excited, like you cannot believe. I've got uh, Dr. Don Thomas in the studio. Listen to this quickly. It's an astronaut scientist, professional speaker, educator, the author of Orbit of Discovery about these uh, STS 70 mission aboard uh, Space Shuttle Discovery. A veteran of four flights, Don has spent 44 days in space and orbited the Earth nearly 700 times. Today, Don is helping to inform and excite the public about our future in space and preparing our next generation of scientists, engineers, and explorers for their missions into the future. Now back in South Africa and touring the country, and the main aim of Dr. Don Thomas's tour of South Africa is to do public talks to school children around the world and to inspire them about science, technology, engineering, and maths, and hopefully ignite lifelong passions in these subjects and to inspire the master. Ladies and gentlemen, he's here, Dr. Don Thomas. What a great welcome. Wow. Thank you. Yes, like, can you believe? I cannot believe that I'm actually sitting here with an actual, like a real-life astronaut. I cannot believe that. Exciting stuff. I'm, I'm happy to be here. My first visit to Pretoria, so I'm oh equally excited. Goodness. And you've got a lot of talk. We're going to be talking about what you're going to be doing this evening and the talks you're going to be conducting this evening at the university. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Listen, how is your tour back? It's back in South Africa, hey? Yeah. yeah. You know, we were down in Cape Town last week yes. and then a few days here in Joburg, Pretoria, yeah. and we go on to Durban. Yes. Uh, uh, firstly, I mean, you met Neil Armstrong. You actually... You actually spend I, like an hour with him? Yeah, I, I, I met him many times, and I, yeah. uh, I wrote him a letter. He was one of my childhood heroes. Yes. And for my third launch, I wrote him a letter and said, hey, I'd like to invite you down to my launch, and he said, I'll be there. And the day before our launch, you know, I got a call from NASA management, and they said he wanted to meet with me. So I had like an hour one-on-one with Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Flying in space is really cool, but having an hour one-on-one with Neil Armstrong, that's the top of what I did during my career at NASA. Can you imagine that? But I mean, you've got an incredible story. I mean, since starting out, you started at at the age of six. That's when you wanted to become, you you knew that's what you wanted to do. I knew when I was six, I I watched the first American astronaut launch and I knew at that moment, I want to do that. That was my, my moment of inspiration and it forever changed my life. And that's what we're trying to do on this space tour 2019, working with Living Maths. We're trying to inspire, maybe excite spark a fire inside the young learners and say, I want to do that. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a scientist. I want to be like Elon Musk. Yes. You know, and, and help, uh, you know, improve every everything. Let's talk about that. Let's touch on that quickly. I mean, the whole SpaceX thing and what Elon Musk is trying to do now. What do you make of that? You know, he's been doing a great job. Uh, he, he's helping NASA with the commercial supplies, uh, sending uh, equipment up to the space station. Yeah. Later this year, early next year, he'll be launching our first astronauts on his commercial rocket. So he's doing amazing things, reusing the first stages. He's gonna drive the launch costs down. Yeah. And I think the price of a trip to space will come down quite dramatically. Wow, that's exciting. There's so much I wanna to get to uh, and to talk about. Uh, and I actually promised earlier, we've actually got it. Uh, you cannot look at Kekiso only, Kekiso. What? This is an actual, what is this that I'm holding in my hand? That is an actual piece of the moon. You kidding me? Oh. It's an actual piece and it comes from, uh, a rock from the moon gets blasted off, say by an asteroid or some other object, kicks up the moon rocks, they travel through space, and sometimes they land on Earth as a meteorite. And from the chemistry of this, we know for sure it's a piece of the moon. 
And what an incredible thing wow. to hold the moon in your hand. This is unbelievable. I don't think I can trust you with that. Yes, I think that like, you should give it over here and then I'll go and lock it away. Yes, like, and we're actually going to be giving this away. We're going to give this away. And all that you do is to win on this show. This is like, the, I promise you, this is by far the best thing I've ever given away on the show. And I've, give, I've, been, I've given away pretty cool stuff. This is by far the best thing ever. Uh, as jy hierdie ookie wil me- win, baie baie makkelijk SMS, grijp nou die phone van jou, en SMS vir ons, makkelijk maan. Ok, maan, en jou naam en jou van, 49905, en die koste van 51 per SMS, ons gaan nou nog in ons hy wen en aankondig. Sla die pad, saam met Ruben Delmaas, op Groot FM 90.5. Alright. So, as you net ingeskakel het, ek het a rechte ruimtevader, Dr. Don Thomas, he's with us in the studio, and I still cannot believe this is unbelievable to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Did you land with the rocket on the roof, or how did you get you? We just landed in the parking lot, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how experienced you guys are. Do, do you actually fly commercially? Do you Have you done your commercial pilot? I, think you do, do, do. I have a private pilot's license. Right. I haven't flown in about 15 years anymore. Okay. My son went to college. It took a lot of my money to do Alrighty, that. Alrighty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually wondering about that. I mean, if you, if you, some at some point, uh, if you want to retire, are you going to like do flying just for the fun of it and just like stay up there, or is it? Are you, are you so passionate about the talks and stuff and just doing that all the time? You know, I, I had a passion for space my whole life, and yeah. when I left NASA 12 years ago, I developed a new passion for education. Yeah. So I told you I got inspired as a young boy to be an astronaut, mm. and my dream is that maybe I, I inspire another learner out there, yeah. some young student to be the next Elon Musk or the next Neil Armstrong walking on Mars. That's unbelievable. Let's talk about the, I mean, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy getting to uh, to get employed by NASA. It was quite a, a thing that you had to go through. I mean, you talk about it in depth with your talks, but just briefly, it was a hard, it was a hard time. Yeah, so I, you know, I went through university. I got my bachelor's degree, and I stayed in and got my master's and my doctorate. So after 10 years of university, I got out, and I started applying to NASA to become an astronaut. And they picked new groups of astronauts every three or four or five years. And the first time I applied, they turned me down. Second time, they turned me down. <clears throat> the third time, I took flying lessons. I yeah. went skydiving. I was trying to improve my background. I got very close the third time, but ultimately, they turned me down. And then I moved to uh, Houston to work at NASA directly as an engineer. And the fourth time, I made it in there. So it, it's a story of never giving up on your dream. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, and and it's, it's, uh, once you got employed by NASA, I mean, the training, I mean, you, you, you say at a point that the four years that you get to train before actually launching on your first mission, the amount of information that you have to retain and get into, uh, into your head is quite a lot. It, it's pretty amazing. For a 15-day trip to space, I had to train four years. What? And that just tells you how much you have to know. And, and the hardest part of being an astronaut is just getting all that information in your head yeah. so you don't forget it and, and you have it at your fingertips in case there's an emergency and you need to use it quickly. Yeah, Dr. Tan, I mean, you've probably been asked this question so many times, but we have to hear it from your mouth today. Uh, is the earth actually flat or is it round? Let's settle this thing now. You know, I knew that question was yeah. coming here. <laughs> and uh, what I say is I have been around the earth 692 times. Wow. Every single time I orbited the planet, it was round. It was <laughs> okay. not flat one time. So rest assured, the Earth is round, not flat. And there has been people, um, again, it's probably the same questions, but there has been people that asked, have you seen other life in space out there? You know, on my first flight, I saw some strange blinking lights off in the distance, and yeah. they were moving with us. 
So originally I thought, well, maybe I'm seeing an alien. Maybe I'm making contact. How lucky am I? Yes. And I watched it carefully for 10 minutes and I realized what it was. It turned out to be a big piece of ice that had come off the back of the space shuttle and it was flipping end over end. And it had a flat side and the, the flash would be when the sunlight would hit it like a mirror. Right. So what I thought was an alien turned out to be a piece of ice. So we see strange objects in space, funny lights. Usually if you study them, you can figure out what you're looking at. I don't know anybody who's seen any credible spacecraft, aliens, nothing like that. But I do believe there's other life in the universe. I don't think it's visited us here yet. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit, because this is quite interesting, the woodpecker attack uh, that you had. Tell us about that. That's very interesting uh, to me. A woodpecker attack? What, was it that? Was it that? Was it, yeah. yeah, I'm just kidding you. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> on my second mission, we were one week before our launch. And a woodpecker, a single woodpecker came and drilled 205 holes in our big fuel tank. And it delayed our mission by one month while NASA had to repair all the damage. And because of that, I'm most famous in my life as being a member of the woodpecker crew. That's wow! What we call that one. Wow! And you had to repeat. And obviously, uh, the, afterwards, you had to like sort of uh, try and stop that from happening again. Well. That's pretty interesting. We tried well. to stop it from yeah. happening again. Uh, yeah. NASA put these big plastic owls and had balloons that had you know big eyes on them, like a hawk or an eagle, the natural predator of a woodpecker. Yeah. Oh, well, I've got lots more questions. Uh, let's just take a break quickly. We'll be right back. We're going to be with Dr. Thomas. We're going to be right back. We're going to be with a sticky of the man in my hand. And here you can win. Very easy SMS for us. Man in your name. You're from 4995. It's a cost of 51 SMS. Here is the right thing. You're not going to buy it here. It's not going to be here. It's not going to be here. It's not going to be here. Sla die pad saam met Ruben Delmaas op Groot FM 90.5. 433 het, uh, I've got Dr. Don Thomas with me in the studio, an actual astronaut, a real-life astronaut. It's such a huge privilege having you here. I still cannot believe it. I'll pinch myself a little bit later just to get over this moment. Uh, so for, let, let's get to why did you, what missions did you do when you went up uh, for the first time? I was on four space shuttle missions. All of them were in the mid-1990s, so it was before we were building the International Space Station. Three of my missions were science flights, where we would have a two-week mission and we'd do... 200 different experiments, all of them looking into the effects of zero gravity. How do fires burn in space different from here on Earth? How do liquids behave? How do plants grow? How do goldfish swim, you know, in in zero gravity? So they were all focused on how does life adapt and and behave in zero gravity and and some of the physical processes like a, a fire. A flame doesn't come up to a point in space because, you know, here on Earth, hot air rises and draws the flame up to a point. In space, a flame will burn in a perfectly round sphere, just wow. a ball of fire floating in front of you. Yeah, I'll, I'll get back because uh, I've got a lot of questions. That I mean, the, what you eat, what you drink, I'll get around to that a little bit later. Firstly, I want to get to that very first time. Just take us through that moment. I mean, you stood there. You knew there's like, I think, 12 hours left before you've got a launch. Take us through that very first time, Dr. Tom. You know, the night before my first launch, I went out to the launch pad about midnight or so with another one of the astronauts, and we both stood right at the base of the space shuttle, just Huge. gazing up at it. Yeah. And at that moment, I was a little bit nervous, a little bit scared about what I was doing, but mainly just pure excitement, because I knew 12 hours from when I'm standing there, I'll be inside blasting off. Launch morning, we get out to the launch pad maybe three hours before the liftoff. We're in our spacesuits. They strap us into our seats. They close and seal the hatch. 
And then it's pretty quiet for the next two, two and a half hours, very quiet inside the space shuttle as, as you're just waiting through the countdown. Six seconds before liftoff, the three big engines come up to full power. I could hear the roar of the engines. I felt the vibrations, the shaking going on. And then right at the moment of liftoff, I felt a huge shove in my back that felt just like somebody had their hand in the middle of my back, and they were just pushing me up into the sky. And that's and very fast. It's very fast. I, and I, I knew at that moment I'm on my way. I'm heading to space. Wow. I had dreamed of this when I was six years old, and I was 39, and I'm heading to space. And I had my helmet on, visor down. Nobody in the world could hear me, and I'm screaming inside my helmet. Oh, wow. Yahoo, let's go. <laughs> you know, it was really an exciting moment. Wow. And it doesn't even take long. It doesn't take here. long. It's eight and a half minute ride to space. What? It takes a little longer to get from Pretoria to Joburg, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. In eight and a half minutes, you could end up being 300 kilometers above the earth, traveling at 28,000 kilometers an hour, yeah. seven kilometers a second. Uh, were you part, uh, I hope I've got my facts right, were you part of uh, like a record that's been set for the fastest orbits? What was that record? No, we, on my first flight, we had the record for the longest duration space shuttle right. mission. Yes. And, and that record has been broken uh, okay. over. You know, we had a 15-day flight, and uh, 25 years ago, that was a long space mission. Yes. Today, it's nothing. We have astronauts routinely up at the space station for six months at a time, and wow. a few have stayed up there for a full year. Yeah. Uh, 16 sunrises and sunsets daily? We go around the Earth every 90 minutes. You get 45 minutes of daylight, yeah. 45 minutes of nighttime. So you watch the sun go down, 45 minutes later, it's coming up. 45 minutes later, it's going down. Each of those sunrises and sunsets are, are special, you know, and they're all a little different. And I would try to catch as many of those as I could when I was in space. Yeah. You don't ever get bored or used to that. You never get bored or, or used to it. The, the view out the window, looking at yeah. the Earth from, from that vantage point, just takes your breath away. Every astronaut, the first time they go to the window and see the Earth, you'll hear that gasp. They'll go, <gasps> just like that, like, wow, yeah, look yeah. at that. So you never, you never get tired of looking at our beautiful planet. Yeah, let's get round to the, I mean, all the, the, the space movies and stuff, the Men in Blacks and the Star Wars and the stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> if you ever watch those movies, what goes through your mind? Is that anywhere close to reality? You know, a, a little bit of reality is, is in there, but a lot of it has uh, been altered by Hollywood. I saw the movie Gravity. Uh, my wife and I went with our neighbors. They wanted to see that with me. And uh, we were three seconds into the movie, and I'm nudging my wife saying, oh, they got that wrong. So if you know too much about space, you'll sit there and pick the movie apart, just yeah. like doctors do with a doctor show on TV or lawyers do or forensic scientists. It's never yeah. quite like por it's portrayed. Yeah. But many of the science fiction movies like Interstellar, I love that one because just the concept of leaving your home planet and maybe never, ever coming back, never seeing your friends, your family, everything you know, you know, it gets that, that thought process going in your head. Could I do that? I know. While we're, while, while we're talking about that, I mean, there was a, a talk at some point where uh, we, we're going to get around to the Mars generation now. But a long while ago, there was that whole mission that people wanted, they wanted to establish life on Mars. But it was like a one-way ticket type thing. Mars One mission. Yes, that's it. Yes. And it was uh, kind of formulated as a reality TV show. Yeah. And they would send people every six months. They'd send a group of three or four there, and they would never come back to Earth. They had a lot of volunteers, people wanting to do that. I always say, hey, on launch morning when you're strapping in and it becomes reality that you're leaving and never coming back to Earth, it's different than saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll go to Mars yes. one way. There's nothing on Mars 
no food, no water, no oxygen, very little oxygen there. You know, your friends aren't there. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't go to Mars one way. I'll go there and come back. Yes. But uh, I've lived in space for 44 days. I prefer Earth. This is where my family, my friends, you know, your favorite restaurants right here on Earth, not up in space. Wow. Wow. Right. Also, the bye bye, Fra. And we'll get around to all the, another a few questions. So, Blaine, I'm going to Sla die pad saam met Ruben Delmaas op Groot FM 90.5. Ok, mense, wat die dus 4.47, as jy net by ons ingeskakel het, ek het rechte, echte ruimtevader hier saam met die atelier, Dr. Don Thomas, and it's such a great time that we're having, and there's lots of questions, so let's take a few of them, and then you can maybe answer those for us. Kom ons oor hallo daar. Hi, hallo Ruben and Dr. Thomas, this is the Mario speaking. I was just wondering, I can understand that if you, um, become a NASA astronaut, uh, all that training, four years, um, but if you were to go to space as a tourist, um, so on a commercial SpaceX flight, uh, once they get that off the ground with a super heavy, um, would all that training necessarily be required? And uh, what would be the actual bare minimum that you would have to uh, comply with to be able to enjoy a flight like that? Thank you, goodbye. Yeah, you definitely don't need four years of training for the commercial flights, and each company will set their own standards. I think I read that Richard Branson with Virgin Galactic, yeah. you know, it's like about a two-hour flight, and they're looking at a, a week or two-week training program. So a lot of that training will just be the emergency. What do we do if there is an emergency? We all have to evacuate like we do on a commercial airplane, but yeah. it'll be fairly minimal training, less than two weeks. Yeah, wow. Just one question. How does gravity affect you when you get back to Earth? Wow. Yeah, coming back to Earth, I felt like I weighed a thousand kilograms. I felt so heavy. Uh, I was a little dizzy when I got back. Our inner ear isn't working properly. So any movement of the head gets the whole room spinning. And your muscles are very weak when you get back because you haven't used them as much up in space. So it takes a day for the dizziness to go away and maybe uh, a week or so to get the muscle strength back. Some of my colleagues have reported the next morning when they're having a cup of coffee, they let go of the cup in the middle of the air and it falls oh, and they course. get yelled at. Ah. That never happened to me, but some of the <laughs> other astronauts, yeah, yeah. they've reported that. I'm going to do it. Wow, Ruben, this is amazing. Thank you to the doctor. Um, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say that it's fantastic that you're sharing this with us and hopefully all the teenagers, teenagers out there would listen to this and take the opportunity because certainly if i was younger um then i would have certainly gone that direction mm. thank you have a lovely day and thanks for the great program well you've got some of the kindest callers here on on your show oh. so thank you to all the the great <laughs> listeners there good day sir my name is etienne i just want to know um would you recommend your son or close family to go to to be an astronaut or go to the moon and oh that cut off sadly sorry yeah i think uh you know if my son wanted to be an astronaut i would recommend it i wouldn't recommend it to people who don't want to do that yes you know but it, it is an, it was an incredible experience if you want an amazing experience in your life you know to be an astronaut i got to orbit the earth 
700 times. I've seen the top of Mount Everest with my own eyes. Wow. I've been places yeah. and see things that nobody's nobody's experienced before. Yeah. And that's a great thrill to me. So my son, if he ever decided to become a, an astronaut and if he launched into space, I would be there in the front row cheering him on. I, I bet I'd be crying and nervous watching him go up. But I encourage everybody, my son included, you know, you follow your dream. Don't follow my dream. You follow your dream and do whatever you want to in your life, whether it's going to Mars, whether it's being a teacher, mathematician, an artist, whatever it is, you know, you follow your own dream and follow your passion. Wow. Hello. Good day. I love astrology. Astrology. And I love <laughs> all the space tech and very interested in people that's going to space. When Neil Armstrong landed on the moon the first time, um, I bought coins with the moon landing on it. Mm -hmm. And we were watching it so closely. It was so wonderful. I want to know, people say the International Space Station, you can see it with the naked eye from Earth. Is it really true? You and I would love to read or to know more about the International Space Station. Yeah, you can definitely see... Thank you see... so much. Sorry. You'll be blessed. Sorry. You can definitely see the International Space Station pass overhead, and it'll pass over Pretoria and Joburg a few times every month. Wow. It's about the size of a, a football field, so maybe 100 meters across, and it'll look like a bright star like Venus passing across the sky. Much like an airplane, but it won't have any blinking lights. It'll be a steady, steady light and fairly bright. So you can Google, you know, ISS sightings and uh, put in Pretoria, and it'll tell you what date, what time, what direction to look, and you can watch it pass overhead. I wow. still do that. I've seen it hundreds of times. I still get a, a charge out of going out and watching it pass overhead. Sometimes my friends are up there, and even if I don't know any of the ast current astronauts up there, it's, I still marvel at this International Space Station passing overhead. Yeah. It's about the size of a six-bedroom house. So the six astronauts that live up there have a lot of room. And it's been up there for 19 years already. Wow. For the last 19 yeah. years, we have had astronauts on board the space station continuously, 365 days a year. So two more questions and then we'll move on. Hello, Hi, this is Cory Marit speaking. Good day to you, Mr. Thomas. I would like to know what is the amount of fuel that you use in the space shuttle taking off? Thank you. For the space shuttle, we had 2 million liters of liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen fuel, and we burn it up in eight and a half minutes. Yes. So the space shuttle gets terrible gas mileage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not the best. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take one more. Hello, doll. Hi. I would like to ask a question. Do astronauts get a sense of depression once they realized that it was the last time that they went up to a, with a space mission or not. Thank you, Bangwe. Hmm. That, that's an excellent, thoughtful question. You know, many of the astronauts will come back with a, a little bit of post-flight depression, we would call it. You're on this incredible high. You're training for this mission for two years. You fly in space, and then all of a sudden you come back, and you're back to your normal desk job. And it's like going away on a great vacation. At the end of your two weeks, maybe it's time to come back to your job and people are a little bit down from that. Yeah. And astronauts will experience that. For me personally, I was always so glad to be back on Earth, to see my family. And, and I was looking forward to that normal routine, you yeah. know, getting up and helping change the diapers and taking the garbage out. 
Those are such earthbound activities that yeah. I was craving those, you know, coming back. Yeah. So, wow. I wish I had more time because I've got so many other questions, but I know you guys have got a hectic schedule. You've got to talk to attend to. So what? let's wrap up. What brings you to South Africa? What is the, the aim of your trip down to South Africa? I'm here with Living Maths, and we call it the Space Tour 2019. Yeah. And we're visiting many cities across South Africa, uh, going to schools, talking to young learners. We're doing public lectures. You can get more details on livingmaths.com. Yep. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're coming back for Space Tour 2020. And the whole idea is to get young learners inspired about following a passion or, you know, a career in maybe going to Mars, but not just Mars. It's just, you know, in mathematics and science and engineering, because across the planet, we need more people, more scientists and engineers, mathematicians with a lot of these future high-tech jobs that we can't even, we don't even know what they are yet, but we're going to need young learners ready for those jobs in the future. Yeah, wow. Dr. Don, thank you so much. I wish I had another hour of your time, but I know you guys are very, very busy. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you back in 2020. Please come and pop in again, and we'll see if we can get some of those, uh, those tickets. Maybe give away some tickets to attend, because I know in, when you do the talks, you get into a whole lot more detail. You actually show pictures, and you go into depth. So uh, maybe next year, we'll, we'll, we'll do something like that. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.